0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 264 for Monday, September 25th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny. But on the internet, you may know him as Pixel Rifts. Hello, sir. Hello! Uh, We've
1: been chatting a little bit about Dota Dragon's Blood, if anyone's interested in a a short synopsis and uh, Joel's review of that, we've been talking about that a lot in the render distance, and that's where we usually catch up and talk about stuff that we've been into outside of Minecraft, and maybe a little extra Minecraft conversation as well. It's a perk for our patrons, they get a little bit of extra show at the beginning and end, and you can get that extended conversation if you sign up at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. It's a good time to be a patron, because upcoming we have our monthly monthly Minecraft hangout which if nothing else delays our schedule is going to probably happen on Saturday September 30th. We typically do them on the last Saturday of each month and that's where we sit down with our patrons. They share some screenshots of builds and let us know what they've been up to in Minecraft, kind of the same way we do at the beginning of every episode of the podcast. We also have a quarterly hangout coming out in October, and also in October we'll be restreaming Minecraft Live on October 15th, which I believe is a Sunday. We're going to be commentating that on my Twitch channel, uh, as we've done in previous years, watching all of the announcements live and giving our first impressions of everything that's going to be new at Minecraft Live 2023.
0: It is going to be a busy couple of weeks with all of the stuff that's going (laughs) on. Uh, Yeah, yeah, as per usual. I mean, the beginning of October is always pretty busy in the Minecraft space. And I mean, no complaints. You know, like it's one of these times of year where you do have to schedule things on Sundays. You have to, you know, adjust a few things that are going on. But uh, I like to kind of remind myself just how fun it is to do this. You know, just how cool it is to be able to cover these things live, to talk about them with you, to have... Our community that show up and and bring in their impressions and their thoughts as well. It's like it's just such a a good time, you know. Regardless of whether the changes and announcements and things that are coming are one hundred percent what you were hoping for, it's just still kind of cool to be a fly on the wall for all of this stuff happening.
1: Yeah, and depending on what we get from Minecraft Live this year, last year they released a snapshot with some of the new features basically as soon as Minecraft Live was done, or like later that week. So we might even see a little bit of the October hangout, maybe using some new blocks if they let us know what those are. If, if we get a, a look at those in snapshots, we can really start to see the creativity of our community come through in those moments. So looking forward to the next couple of months as people start
0: to dig into some new stuff. Speaking of keeping busy, what have you been up to on the survival guide this week?
1: Oh boy, I finished the exterior of my storage room, uh, which is probably the largest build I've done for a while. Um, It's it's really quite cool though. I, I managed to fit in a bunch of different wood gradients. I wanted to keep with this sort of more natural look to the area, so there's a lot of green in there, a lot of green terracotta, a lot of spruce timber frame kind of stuff, sticking with the same roughly speaking, build style that I'd done with my starter house and blacksmith's house. So it's got a bunch of spruce slabs and, you know, planks ornamenting the gable end of the roof uh has a really nice roof gradient from jungle wood through to smooth sandstone really kind of lightening the roof and then around the outside there's two separate wood gradients from dark oak through to birch and then from jungle through to crimson wood uh with acacia and mangrove in the middle there and so it's You know, compositionally speaking, it looked like a bit of a mess when I was putting it together, but I kind of went through and neatened up a few things and I wanted it to have a couple of different areas where there are different roof pitches, some lower roofs around the outside and then more of like a a plus shaped segment in the middle. On top of all of that, I ended up putting a crop garden, just like a little tiered garden on the central square of the roof where all of the roof ridges kind of meet up. And so that's not going to be functional necessarily, but it's a nice place just to imagine that the the extra space up there is being used for greenery and also not have to bring the roof to an enormous point in the center like a pyramid. Uh, but I think, yeah, it came together really well. I'm very, very
0: happy with it. I love the roof gradient. It, I mean, it looks really slick. And yeah. I, I think a, a tip of the hat for the use of sandstone as you get higher and... In my opinion, an underused wood type in gradients is jungle wood. It yeah. really is that medium, like if you don't want to go as dark as spruce, but you need darker than oak, then jungle, you know, if you can get away with getting a little bit of the, the red and the green in there. And of course, with green terracotta, uh, it looks like as, as main um, blocks in the walls around the build, the little flecks of green in the jungle would really work, right?
1: Yeah, it's a a fun transition. This is all stripped jungle wood, I should hasten to clarify for anybody who's who's just hearing this on the podcast. Um, And yeah, I I went with a sort of one and a half block uh, roof pitch. So uh, the first couple of layers is stripped jungle logs, and then I go to oak planks because they've got slabs available to them, and then I can stick in another set of stripped logs behind those so that you're only seeing one and a half blocks of those, and then I switch to stripped uh birch and birch planks and so it kind of like transitions upwards at a one and a half block pitch using materials that have slabs and i kind of tried to plan it that way um but yeah it's it's a very linear gradient i haven't done too much like mixing of materials between the different layers it's really just like a stripe of each type of material but that worked out better for me as an aesthetic than messing with the texture of it too much like i found that because it's such a smooth gradient it works quite well in a linear Orientation and so yeah, from a distance it looks quite nice as well. So I didn't really want to mess with it too much.
0: No, I agree, and I and I think that as big as this is, I think that when you start to mess with textures like that, you you almost have to go bigger. Like you'd have to have more room when you start doing stuff like that, so that it it doesn't look like a checkerboard. You know, like it, it. You really have to suspend your eye and the disbelief that it's all you know blocks and checkered stuff when you start to get into texturing like that but i i think the linear is a is a, is a good way to do it at this scale for sure
1: yeah uh, the other thing I did whilst I was there is make sure all of my storage filters inside are actually functional because it would feel silly having this enormous exterior built for it but then still having to sort everything manually so right. now now each storage filter has its own set of items or it's you know blocked off with filler blocks until I get a few other things because I still haven't been to the end I've only just been to the deep dark which is something I did in the episode that came out today um, so I've just added skulk blocks and things like that to the to the filters there's 128 filters in there so it's it's a lot of different wow. items but that's going to keep me going sort of for the foreseeable future I think until I decide to scale everything up and maybe look into multi-item sorters instead of building 128 slices of an impulse sv storage filter but I'm I'm thinking towards the future of this series and kind of you know focusing on shoring up some of my early game resources I went back to a mineshaft where I had a twin cave spider spawner and just turned that into a passive AFK string farm, where the spiders are dropping 16 blocks, which is enough to kill a cave spider, and they're dropping onto magma blocks in case anything went wrong in between that, just picking up the string, not worrying about spider eyes, not worrying about turning it into an XP farm. And I realized that because I have all of this honeycomb that I'm already farming, and because I needed more scaffolding, I was just like running low on string constantly uh, for things like candles and scaffolding and whatnot. So I thought I might as well get this, this spider farm done. And then I went looking for a pillager outpost because that's still a structure that has evaded me and there really aren't that many very close to my starting area which is still relatively close to the world spawn so I went about 2000 blocks out went exploring a savannah found a pillager outpost but that find was kind of overshadowed by this enormous mountain peak with a section of it sheared off that basically drops into a basin with a dripstone cave starting to come to the surface and it's this giant quarry with this mountain that looks almost alien because of how large it is and how the faces of it have kind of concaved by world generation and so I just stopped and took a bunch of pictures of that and then looked over my shoulder and went, oh yeah, there's a pillager outpost. And then went back to taking pictures of this mountain. Um, the, wow. the peak of it is at like is above cloud height. It's like a Y204 or something like that. And this is one of those things that I have to come back and do something with this. But when I get back to it, I will have absolutely no idea where to start because it's just so striking on its own.
0: It's one of those cool situations where like, people want to build inside of a mountain they think you know the idea of having like a dwarven build or a cave or one of those kind of structures is always really appealing but then the daunting task of you know clearing out the inside of a mountain is always there this one looks like it's half started for you yeah yeah (laughs) if if you decide to dig anything out then like hey you know you've already got a lot of a lot of stuff going on and it's really cool that there's like a dripstone cave and stuff kind of speckled around and it almost looks like you can see uh It's it's almost like the mountain has rings, like a tree you know yes. like it has the like growth rings almost
1: yeah and that that's one of the fascinating things about it for me it's like i always love looking at stuff like this like wacky terrain generation and mm. just the stuff that minecraft can do when fed a bunch of effectively random numbers and it's 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 so cool like ev- everything about this world so far has been really good at surprising me which is what i wanted from this season of survival guide because the season two world really didn't wow me in the way i was expecting it to after 118 changed terrain generation. So now that I'm exploring this world and just stumbling upon all of these absurd landmarks, I feel a lot happier about the future of this world and staying in it for a longer period of time.
0: I haven't really done much exploring on the Citadel. Yes, certainly not live on stream. And when I go to do my sci-fi build or whatever area I'm going to build in next, I'm going to do a little bit of research in terms of our Seed and kind of give myself a general direction, but I, I think it would be fun to kind of have that exploration. Because of course, as I go into new chunks, it's all going to be one eighteen-generated content, and we could see mountains and some funky stuff like this, and maybe there's floating islands or I don't know. We'll we'll have to see what what I come up with. But I I do miss that. You know, it's one of the things that is a drawback. I think of being on such a long term server is that you once you start establishing these bigger projects you don't tend to explore as much and so you don't have your socks knocked off as often as you might when you're you know doing a new world every year or two because of you know survival guide that kind of stuff
1: yeah yeah and and by the end of this week i'm probably going to be going to the end and getting elytra but it really makes me wonder how much of an impact would this mountain have had on me if i had just been flying over it to try and get to something else like i feel like having explored on foot was actually while it was kind of tricky in places really an advantage for being impressed by this sort of terrain and it's the kind of thing that i might not have given a second glance or i might have gone oh cool that's a really big pit and then continued to fly over it at a higher you know vantage point Mm -hmm. than the mountain Mm -hmm. could afford um but yeah now i know that's there i think i'll i'll probably come back to it and do something with it in future
0: well, for me, things have been pretty down to earth. I have been continuing work on the wheat farm that I started uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm actually embarrassed at how big this is and how little I in- anticipated how long it would take me because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, it's the pitfalls of being a perfectionist in this game is that like I really want things to look good no matter which way you're walking through them. And like you're really going to be walking by this wheat farm. You're not really going to be walking through the wheat farm. However, I'm walking through this wheat farm as I'm building it. So I'm putting in details and stuff that most people probably wouldn't. But it it has been a fun exercise in, it's not an overly complicated build. There's just a lot of texturing that I have to do. The last time I did one of these things, I didn't have some blocks, like I didn't have tough. Uh, I uh, I feel like I've improved in my uh, landscaping. Uh, I don't think we had moss the last time I did a tiered farm, so like I can do things like you know, covering up the sides of dirt blocks and all that kind of stuff. And it's been fun. I, uh, I'm really enjoying the way that it's coming together. The process of putting out the, the tiers in just plain cobblestone and then going back and replacing all those cobblestone walls with textured blocks like tough and cracked bricks and stone and slabs and giving some height variation and things, making things look crumbled or mossy, depending on whether they're near vegetation, that kind of stuff has been really fun. Uh, The interior walls have been going faster than the exterior. The exterior, I did a lot of like broken down stuff where there's been a log fence that's been repairing the stone wall. But inside, I didn't do any of that. I didn't go with any logs. I just went, it's all stone. Some bits are crumbling, some bits are not, but it's all pretty straightforward. The real fun stuff is near the, uh, the areas where the small stream from the pond trickles down over the steps of the farm into the river below. And I'm adding little... They're almost like little sluice gates like little uh ideas where it looks like maybe a farmer could increase or decrease the water that's trickling down you know throughout the the farm so those have been fun uh, i'm adding some logs and some trapdoors and stuff over those areas and uh really i i, I think the only thing left to do after this pass of the wall is going to be to add things like, you know, the odd barrel, maybe, you know, construct a small wheelbarrow or something like that out of a fence gate and some planks. Just 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 to try to make it look like there's been some activity around and uh, and then I'll be done with it. But I'm really starting to realize how much of the surrounding countryside is included in my vision of West Hill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, it it's cool, but also means like, man, it feels so much farther from done than I thought it was. <laughs> Uh, just because again, they're not complicated, but like, it's a lot of seeds to plant. It's a lot of stuff to kind of, it's a lot of landscaping and it's, um, it's not difficult. It just takes time. It's very satisfying when it's done, like walking through the town now towards the, or walking through the Valley now towards town. Uh, it's very satisfying to have an entire hillside of wheat, just all planted full grown because it's been growing as I've been working. So that it, the payoff is there. It's just that I have a fair amount of stuff to do. Um, before I feel like that approach is going to be finished. So I'm I'm going to have to like cut my losses and say, okay, the, the farmland is something I may have to just return to at a later date and have it be part of an ongoing project on the server rather than trying to do it all at once. Because I do really want to tie this up in a nice little bow because it's coming up on October and November marks three years in this area on the calendar in my life. <laughs> So I, I feel like I, I want to move on creatively. And so uh, I'm hoping to push some extra streams. It'll be easier now that you know summer weather in Nova Scotia is not nearly as, as nice as it was. I love fall, but we're going to be getting more rainy days and there'll be cooler evenings and stuff like that. So it'll be a little bit easier to put in some extra time, but I'm hoping to wrap things up soon. But uh, for now, it's been Wheatfield City and uh, I, I hope to wrap this up in the next stream or two. So then I'll be moving on to, to something else after that.
1: Some good video gaming weather is on the horizon. So uh, yeah, a good time to be uh, staying in, and yeah, I, I can I can see the, the appeal of stepping away from something like this and then coming back to it, with perhaps even more uh, landscaping knowledge if that's what you turn your attention to, or perhaps just a fresh set of hands after having built something a lot stylistically different. So yeah, maybe it's the kind of thing that you can you can return to at some stage, and it might be kind of fun to return to something that feels already so complete in the way that West Hill does, and just sort of tidy a few things up later. So yeah, like interested to see what approach you end up taking,
0: especially if you're going to be adding something like a farm or you know an apiary or something like that, because you know, you'll want to do that and you'll think, all right, well, this looks kind of plunked in the middle of the landscape. But in this case, it won't look plunked because there's going to be farms already on multiple sides. There's a town in the distance. Like there'd be all these things in the area that kind of make the the world feel more lived in and a little bit more established. And to your point, there may be, you know, new blocks on the horizon or new ideas that I could say, oh, well, I, I wanted to finish this farm, but, you know, perhaps mojang announces something new in the next couple of weeks i'm just like oh i'm glad i waited because now i've got this thing i can play with or this new thing uh this new block Uh, for example uh something that was brought up on stream that i might do with uh the bee farm that i want to make is using uh torch flowers and pitcher plants which i wouldn't have had you know uh, a couple of years ago when these farms were first laid out so there are some advantages to taking it slow and you know returning to things when you feel inspired or you you have the right kind of look or or thought process for it. So I'm going to to get there. It's just that I'm a little as as a patient person as I am, I find that I am becoming impatient uh with with completing this area, so it's it's one of those like inner fights artistically that I'm trying to work through
1: in before the uh, next update completely overhauls farming and you've got to rethink your entire approach <laughs> <laughs> to everything you've just done. I, I'm I'm crossing my fingers not, but also excited for any kind of updates. So we'll
0: uh, we'll see how it goes in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Speaking of updates, uh, we have some news for everyone. If you were under a rock and missed it, Minecraft Java Edition 1.20.2 is now available. It was released on September 21st, 2023, Quote, this release comes with more diamond ore in the deep regions of the world and changes a mob attack reach as well as optimizes the game networking performance. There are a number of new features for map makers and pack creators and important updates to the player reporting tool. The optional villager trade rebalancing experiment also makes its debut in this version with changes to trades in the making that you can try out. New features, player skin and player reporting. Playing Minecraft should be an inclusive and safe experience for everyone, which is why alongside in-game chat messages, you will now be able to report player skins and usernames that violate our community standards in Java Edition. Just like with chat reporting, nothing is automated. Any reported skin or username will be reviewed manually by a team of trained Minecraft moderators. Skins that are in violation of these standards will be removed from Minecraft and will no longer be accessible for any use by any player. Usernames that are in violation of these standards will need to be changed before that player can play online via shared server or realm, though single player mode will still be accessible. More information about this and other safety policies can be found on the Minecraft Java Edition Player Reporting FAQ page on help.minecraft.net this will also be linked in our show notes this week. Changes in 1.20.2. The calculations to determine whether a mob can attack a player or other mob has been changed. Diamond ore is now generated more frequently in deep slate layers of the overworld. Optimizations have been made to network play. Curing a zombie villager now only gives a big discount the first time. There is no longer a bonus discount for reinfecting and curing the same villager multiple times. Sponges and wet sponges now have their own custom sounds. Barrier blocks can now be waterlogged by players in creative mode. Water cannot be placed in them or taken out by non-direct interactions such as dispensers. The positions in which all entities ride on other entities has been adjusted to make more sense. Added the Narrator hotkey accessibility option set on by default, Narrator can be toggled on and off with control B when this is on. Added I want to report them to the player reporting category and removed Harrowbrine. Mob attack and reach changes. The calculations to determine whether a mob can attack a player or other mobs has been changed. Previously a mob's horizontal width was used to determine the attack reach, and their height had no effect. The area where a mob can attack is now their bounding box but extended in a horizontal direction. For example, if a mob is entirely below you or entirely above you, it will not be able to reach you. To escape from an enderman you need to be at least 3 blocks above the ground, not 1.5 as before. Mobs will be able to attack you with the bottom of their hitbox, assuming your head is in range. Builds that trap hostile mobs might need to be adjusted to be safe. This change does not affect the reach of players. Under Networked Play, the multiplayer mode of the game has been optimized to enable more fluid online play. If you have previously experienced disconnections or slow loading into online servers, This version may significantly improve that experience. Vibrations. Vibrations no longer risk being lost on simulation distance limit. A number of new vibrations have been added. Using bone meal, unequipping items, camel eating cactus, carrots being eaten by rabbits, sweet berries being eaten by foxes, chiseled bookshelves receiving books from a hopper, turtle eggs cracking, turtle eggs hatching, fire being doused by a water potion, and evoker's fangs. For details on the vibration frequency of each new vibration, visit the minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. Under miscellaneous and minor tweaks, the chorus flower no longer provides support for hanging or standing blocks. There are updated structure icons on explorer maps sold by cartographers. When villagers unlock new trades, the order of those trades in the UI is now always random instead of sometimes being deterministic. The sizes of text fields in the user interface are now consistent with the size of buttons. Technical changes in 1.20.2. The resource pack version is now 18. The data pack version is now also 18. History of used commands is now saved and accessible across worlds. Optimized networking to improve experience on low bandwidth connections added support for multi-version packs, changed network protocol to allow more data-driven content in the future, added validation for symbolic links in data packs and resource packs. When hitboxes are displayed through the F3 plus B, entities that have a passenger will be displayed as the passenger's attachment point. The charts on the debug screen can now be toggled with hotkeys. The LWJGL library has been upgraded to version 3.3.2. The default Java version shipped with the game has been upgraded to Microsoft Open JDK 17.0.8. Command history. At least 50 commands that you sent in chat will be remembered across game sessions. You can access the command and chat history by pressing up or down in the chat. Regular chat is only persistent within the game session, leaving the server or world clears them. Recent commands are stored in the command underscore in the game folder. For all of the technical details regarding the network optimization, multi-version packs, symbolic link validation and safety, resources and data pack versions, display entities, and performance considerations, visit the minecraft.net article linked in our show notes.
1: has also included all of the experimental features that we've been discussing in previous weeks for the villager trade rebalance. So to summarize that from this changelog, the experiment screen when creating a world now has an option to enable a villager trade rebalance. When this option is selected, some villager trades will change. This experiment has no effect on normal worlds. In terms of librarian changes librarians from different biomes now sell different enchanted books each village biome has one special enchantment that is only available from master librarians with full xp this means that players must visit all seven village biomes to get the full set of villager enchantments there are two secret village biomes where villagers do not generate those are swamps and jungles and a player has to build those villages or cure zombie villagers from those biomes in order to access those trades. Some enchantments have also been removed from villager trading entirely and must be found in other ways. In terms of cartographer changes, cartographers can now sell seven new explorer maps. Five of those show the way to five different types of village, and the other two maps show the way to a swamp hut and a jungle temple so you can locate those biomes. Cartographers from different biomes now sell a range of different maps. The armorers have changed as well. Armorers from different biomes now sell different armor with different enchantments. Buying diamond armor now requires a small amount of diamonds as well as emeralds, and many other armor trades have been updated reflecting these changes. The wandering trader has also got a look in. Wandering traders now have lower prices and a higher amount of each item in stock. They can now sell logs and can buy several items instead of just selling you stuff. The structure loot has also been tweaked a little bit to make up for certain books being slightly rarer from villager trading. Ancient cities will now have more mending books in them. Mineshafts will have a greater chance of efficiency one through five books. Pillager outposts can have a chance of quick charge one through three, and both jungle and desert temples can have unbreaking 1 through 3. Reminder that all of that is experimental, it's only in the game if you enable those options from the experimental dialogue when you create a world. There are some fixed bugs in 1.20.2, around 200 of them in fact. You can view the full list on the issue tracker site linked on minecraft.net and in our show notes where there'll be a link to bugs.mojang.com. In addition to all of this, Minecraft Bedrock Edition 1.20.30 is now available. Uh, That was released on September 19th, just a little bit ahead of the full 1.20.2 update for Java players. The major changes include an updated You Died experience, players now being able to crawl under single block gaps, a new recipe unlock notification telling you when you've found a new crafting material, along with the game rule that limits crafting to what recipes you've already discovered, and a few other features around that crafting loop increase the amount of diamond ore found in the deepest parts of the world similar to on java edition there are some adjustments to block destroy times and explosion resistance values along with fixes to over 100 community reported issues if you want to learn more about the bedrock edition release once again we will have that linked in our show notes in addition to all of this minecraft news from mojang themselves the minecraft wiki has a new home uh to quote Minecraft wiki EN on Twitter, The Minecraft wiki has decided to leave fandom and we finally have the new wiki up and ready. This allows us to bring many improvements such as significantly fewer ads and faster load times. Please see the following page for more details about the move. That is linked in their tweet and we'll have the actual link in the show notes for this episode as well. So the wiki's former host, which was fandom.com, has kind of been drawing the dissatisfaction of wiki users and editors for a while. They frequently loaded a page with ads, unrelated links, embedded videos and streams, pop-up quizzes, content age gates, and other elements which were cluttering or disrupting the user experience. And honestly, having used a bit of the new Minecraft wiki, it's a lot cleaner, it's a lot easier to find what you want. You're not dismissing things with X buttons every five minutes, so I think it's a, a much needed change.
0: I've seen a number of games that uh, have wikis that I follow and participate in jump ship from fandom and move to uh, either their own or a different wiki service um, for, I think, all of the reasons that you just outlined. So I'm happy to see the Minecraft wiki uh, move uh, as accordingly because... Even recently, you know, when we're doing the show, I'm looking something up while we're having a main discussion. I think most recently it was like the villager trades and trying to remember what the old ones were to compare to the new ones, stuff like that. And then you you go to do this live while you're recording a podcast and you're just you're, you're clicking like, yes, I'm over 18. And like, what, like, why does it matter? You know, like, why is all this in the way of just getting to the information that I want? And uh, I'm not someone that has um, ad blockers running because I find that sometimes it ends up messing with sites I actually want to interact with that have pop-ups for different security reasons. Yeah, yeah. And and so I just end up dealing with, with ads. And really what ends up happening is if a, if a website either over-serves or interruptively serves ads, I just bail and go yeah. to another website. Like I, I'm surprised that websites these days don't realize just how quickly users are just like, nope, ad. I don't care how good your content is. I'm out. And and I'm I'm glad to see this uh, this move. I will give a quick shout out to Viewline 1101 who emailed us with a heads up on the wiki move. They're an editor on the Minecraft wiki. Uh, we did catch the news ahead of the email, but I wanted to give them a shout out and thanks for writing in anyway.
1: Yeah, a couple of people on my Twitch chat and on Twitter have been sharing this as well. So I think it's it's important to get the word out at this point. I've updated all Absolutely. of my like, browser links and stuff like that, but I have links in previous survival guide videos that are probably too numerous to go back and edit manually. So it's kind of worthwhile letting people know. And there's even, I think, a pop-up on the fandom wiki now that says the Minecraft wiki has been forked basically has moved on to a a new host and i believe the fandom wiki is going to remain up but will most likely no longer be kept up to date by people who were in charge of maintaining that community before so good on you minecraft wiki i'm glad to see the uh, the change being made and i am a big fan of the new layout it looks so much better
0: so i know that we've covered a lot of the 1.20.2 updates in the snapshots over the last few weeks here on the show but uh, have you rolled the survival guide forward what are your first impressions
1: uh, I have. Uh, Survival Guide is now in 1.20.2. I've also been playing a bit of Minecraft Bingo in 1.20.2 as well, uh, since the, the like full release of Minecraft Bingo was, was posted. It's sort of out of playtesting and into a full release. Um, and honestly, I've not really noticed much of a change. The um, zombie villages that I've already cured in Survival Guide are still giving me the same discount. I haven't cured them multiple times, so I have no data on whether or not multiple curing is going to effectively be rolled back or if you get to keep the discounts that you had before Um, but either way i haven't felt too much of a change because these are all minor kind of quality of life or balance updates which either i haven't gotten into at this stage because of the early stage that the world is in or in the case of like the hitbox and reach of enemies i've not got any farms set up that put me in danger of that i do wonder having messed around with the cave spider spawner this week if the reach of cave spiders is going to be adjusted because I know while it sounds like a negative change they were talking about ravagers not being able to attack you through a wall anymore and that kind of stuff so I sort of wonder if cave spiders are going to be slightly easier to handle as a result I always found myself you know wandering too close to a, a barrier that I'd set up and getting poisoned even though I felt like there was enough room between me and the spiders with my previous xp farms but In this case, I circumvented that entirely by just making it a passive drop string farm. Um, And I'll have to try diamond mining at some point soon, um, but I'm not sure where the new chunks are going to begin in this world, other than the giant mountain that I found on stream that I was talking about in the uh, the quick login earlier. I think I'll probably go back to that region and do some mining there, and that's where I can basically guarantee I've never been there before because I'd never seen that mountain before.
0: Uh, yeah, I uh, I'm with you in that. I, I don't see a lot of changes for the Citadel in terms of gameplay because of our established server and this being a lot of under the hood changes. Uh, as per usual, we're gonna wait for the dust to settle a bit on 1.20.2 before the Citadel updates the latest version. A lot of that has to do with waiting for our quality of life mods to be up to date and stable. Uh, the under the hood stuff affects the mods more, I think, than it does the gameplay for us on the Citadel. So. We're just going to sit back and and we'll update when the time comes. And it seems like everything is going to go smoothly. I usually take updates like this as an opportunity to audit the current selection of quality of life mods and data packs that we use on the server. See if there's any changes that need to be made, that kind of thing. Um, We might have some mob reach related stuff happening, but any kind of mob farm like that has been usually replaced by a more robust version. So, you know, we don't go for XP farms and bone meal when we now have a moss farm and we have uh, a zombie piglin farm that replaces a lot of those older skeleton farms and, and um, the, um, the string farm for the, the, um, the cave spiders. I remember setting up that cave spider spawn. We have a triple cave spider spawner on the server. It was the first thing that I ever built technically. and, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do remember a very specific combination of blocks, like walls and like iron fences and stuff to try and like get you just the right distance from the spider so that you can hit it, but not be at danger. And Mm -hmm. there's something like an upside down stair gap. Like it's a really small hole. You have to kind of poke through to get them as they're forced into the corner by water. Like there's all kinds of different stuff. But again, like that was probably built before, before one dot, 13 so like i i yeah. don't even know i don't even know if it works anymore really
1: it's like pre-bubble uh, column at that stage yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah i think i think they're i think they're pushed up on their own swimming and floating like i don't think we forced them up with bubbles so yeah there's there's definitely some adjustments that would have to happen if they were ever to be used again but like i don't know that anybody is really having that issue we also have a, a data pack on the server that allows us to uncraft wool into string and vice versa so like so we don't need a string farm we just need a sheep farm right like so there's there's some things like that that mean don't have to go down that road but it will be interesting in the future if i decide to create you know that sci-fi build i'm always talking about on the show and if i decide to do some sort of mob farms for fun like just to kind of have some sort of cool lore or little bit of rp going on i'd have to readjust what's going to happen there um i do have a copper farm on the server that i will be using from time to time and so that might need to change because of the hit boxes and things like that cuz that's absolutely like swinging at zombie's feet and now they're going to be able to kick me essentially <laughs> which yeah, is so yeah. we found out so i mean it's kind of a fun little idea when you think about how it technically works um i'm i'm glad for the changes i think really the big takeaway for me um from 1.20.2 are The new mob breaches related to their hitbox. I think it makes sense, but it will will require some adjustments for players. More Diamond ore and Deep Slate levels will help new players in worlds. I think even benefit long-term worlds uh, with things like smithing templates and netherite upgrades requiring more diamonds now. I think having more diamonds available in Deep Slate is a good idea. Um, I'm not someone that's done the whole curing a zombie over and over again, and I know that it will affect the way that people play and trade with villagers and potentially set up their um, villager trade halls, if that's something that they do often as they play the game. But I don't know how long that's going to be a factor. It depends on how long the villager trades are in the ether of experimental. Like when they eventually, or if at all, roll into the game, that will adjust how people trade with villagers again anyway.
1: Yeah, and there's definitely still going to be some trades which are very easy to do like they become one-to-one emerald to product or product to emerald trades if you cure a zombie villager once like if you have a farmer who's trading you emeralds for melons and pumpkins then you know you never really need to give them more than like five or six melons or pumpkins so that usually gets reduced to one anyway and those farms are so easy to set up that if you're using that to farm emeralds it's going to be Fine. Like, there's going to be certain trades that I think people maybe focus on, but it's not like you're going to be getting one stick to one emerald or one piece of string to one emerald all of the time. Um, I think that mainly kind of factors in with the enchanted book trades, which are potentially going to change when they make these uh, changes finalized, anyways. So we'll see how everything continues to shake out over the next little while. And I would also encourage people not to jump to conclusions and say that they aren't putting in any changes that are going to affect anything else because these changes have only been around for a couple of weeks so far. They're taking a lot of community feedback and we don't know what the next update is going to be yet. So it could be they announce radical sweeping changes to the way enchanting works at Minecraft Live. And if they don't, they'll continue to take feedback on that and potentially have some minor changes to roll out in these dot releases.
0: And I want to say... Um, just just our newsre alone is probably one of the longest we've had in a while and it really goes to show the amount of work and the amount of changes that are going into these uh, dot releases that are not as shiny and as marketable as the big updates that have a name and offer a lot of new features but I want to tip my hat to say like, well done. There was a lot of stuff in this update. Uh, not a lot of gameplay stuff per se, but a lot of under the hood things that will affect map makers and modders and a lot of different, you know, hats in the community are, are definitely looking closely at this update, I'm sure. And uh, I think it's impressive the amount of stuff that they've crammed into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but moving forward and looking forward at Minecraft Live, we've had a couple of emails related to Minecraft Live in the upcoming mob vote. So we're going to read one of those for Chunk Mail, and that's going to prompt our main discussion as well. If you'd like to email the show in future and get your email read on the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Keep them short and sweet. We always love to read a couple of Interesting ideas, but we're not here to read entire essays, unfortunately. Uh, this one comes in from the Piano Man 89 with the subject of a new mob idea. Greetings, Johnny and Joel. While listening to episode 263, I was struck with an idea for a possible future mob while you all were talking about the upcoming mob vote. Joel mentioned a possible ancient mob, and it had me consider what if they introduced a new, skulk-related, friendly mob into the game. I imagine you'd need to find its egg or something of the sort in a chest in an ancient city, perhaps in the icebox, so that it would have remained preserved. Once hatched, it would basically serve as a guard mob that could interact with skulk blocks. If you had a skulk-powered alert system for your home and a sensor went off, it would alert the mob and the mob would go attack any hostile mobs that triggered the sensor. We'd love to hear your thoughts. The Piano Man 89 slept soundly in his base, feeling secure in his skulk guard system.
0: It sounds like how people probably wanted dogs to work in the game from the start, right? Having, having a mm-hmm. guard dog yeah. that would attack certain things but of course you've got to tell it to sit and it doesn't really work quite as the same way that you would expect it to do i mean i know they attack skeletons but not everything right like you can't command it yes. it's not like an npc if you take the along in, in like mass effect that you can tell it to do certain things <laughs> um i like the idea of a skulk related mob though it goes with the fantasy mob mentality that i'm hoping mojang sticks with uh i think overall though mob vibes As far as gameplay and functionality are concerned are more likely to go and line up with the sniffer i i feel like Mm -hmm. we're probably going to get more of a passive mob i i feel like those are usually more uh i don't want to say easier but like they're they're more in line with the spirit of minecraft i find uh something cool to look at in one way or another that gives the player a new item or material or decorative block those seem to be the most popular um I don't think all the mobs presented will be like this, but I think that that kind of thing will have the traits that will bring it to the top. So when, with regards to like a a, a base defense or a, a, a mob that um, kind of negates the survival aspect of the world, I don't know that Mojang wants to add mobs that would make that survival experience hands-off, right? Like I think that part of that experience is Having to deal with zombies, having to light things up, having to you know r- run from skeletons and deal with arrows and all that kind of stuff. Um, I actually had experience on the server the other day where I was walking down to my wheat farm and an arrow kind of whizzed by my head and I was like, "Where did that come from?" Because like I this whole place is developed like where, and it looks like a skeleton had spawned on like the edge of a bridge. But because he was standing in front of one of my gray towers, like you couldn't see him. Like he was perfectly creeper yeah. <laughs> camouflaged, just like standing right in front of a, yeah. an anisite pillar. And you're just like, where, where did that even come from? And I mean, it was interesting and fun. Like it, I, I wasn't threatened by it. I mean, I, I'm end game. I've got plenty of armor and I could deal with them quite easily. But still, it was kind of fun to have that happen, you know, live on stream. So I don't know that I would want something that would always deter and, and take those experiences away now I, I think that I'm you know counter you know counteracting things I've said before where like having a beacon or having something that would push mob spawning away from a certain epicenter would be nice because as you do build things that are nice you want them to be mob free because you don't want creepers falling on your head and blowing up all your nice decorative work so like there's a push and shove I guess to the conversation but I do like the idea of a mob, tied to the deep dark that's not the warden like i think that that's an interesting you know i like the idea of skulk affecting other mobs you know you see it all the time in sci-fi where like animals that are near some scientific or weird anomaly or in fantasy where animals are near some sort of you know fantastic corruption it ends up turning them weird and and i think that that's a fun idea
1: yeah, I mean, tying this into the ancient city gateway, what if that gateway is not necessarily a portal in the way that the nether portals work in game already, but it's more of a transformative thing mm. where you send a pig through and it comes back as skulk pig or something. <laughs> like, right. I can imagine there being some stuff like that, that kind of, it transforms things rather than transporting them, and that could be a, a, an interesting take on that. But to, to, to rein that idea in a little bit and, and go back to the Piano Man's email here. It's it, it kind of sounds like you have a you have a warden that's on your side, basically. Right. Which is is kind of a, a fun concept. And I like the idea of limiting it to interacting with skulk blocks because then you could set those up in specific areas, almost like a perimeter fence. You don't have to completely flood your base with skulk, and maybe if you do that, it pops up wherever it wants to, but If you have it in very specific places, it can almost appear like a little turret or something like that that can like zap a couple of things and then duck down like you're playing whack-a-mole with it or something. Um, And it it seems like a cool idea to have a a way to keep mobs away that isn't just torches or the area being patrolled by an iron golem. Um, Maybe this is a skulk golem or something like that, but there could be uh, some fun ways to approach that. And one of the things I really liked about this is the suggestion to find it in the icebox room. Like in most ancient cities, there's an area that's covered with snow and ice, and you find a lot of extra snowballs there to use as distractions for the warden, if it appears. But I've always found those a little bit underwhelming, because there are still snowballs in some of the other chests, and it doesn't quite feel like the loot there is commensurate with the effort that is required to get in. Um... So I, I find those a little underwhelming, and I, I like the idea of them having some some chances of extra loot. Um, I do wonder if they'd use that like sniffer egg approach again, or if they'd find that a little too repetitive this soon after the sniffer, because before that, the only other mobs we've had hatch from eggs aside from the creative spawn eggs are chickens and turtles, both of which were added fairly far apart. Um, so I, I kind of wonder if they're not going to just take it in the direction of everything hatches from an egg now you know I I like the idea and I I sort of imagine the sniffer and the warden having a lot more in common than people expect with there being you know smelling for things with the kind of groaning noises that they make um there's there's certainly some similarities there so something skulk related could be born out of an egg or it could be be born by a, a completely different mechanism entirely
0: I like the idea of the skulk warping something, uh, uh, whether it's the skulk that does it or the portal that does it or or, or something like that. I, I, I like that idea over an egg. Uh, I, I, I mean, I know those mechanics are in the game, but I think that that's a more unique approach. Um, speaking of unique approaches, uh, moving into the main discussion, one of the things we thought would be fun to riff on would be our mob vote predictions. So uh, as coming in September, according to the Minecraft monthly video that's on YouTube right now, The mob vote candidates will be revealed in the first week of october that's coming up very quickly Uh, giving players time to decide on their favorite and cast their vote ahead of minecraft live 2023 so we're going to talk about what our predictions are for the mob vote this year so johnny knowing what we know about previous mob votes like what are your thoughts going into uh 2023
1: well the last two years have given us unique designs for utility mobs Right? Uh, so, design wise, they haven't just been reskins of existing mob types in the way that years before that we had things like the Moo Bloom and a few ideas kind of percolating in from Minecraft Earth and Minecraft Dungeons that were variants on existing mobs. Um, I guess the exception to this would be the Golems. Uh, the Copper Golem and the Tough Golem have both been in the last couple of years, but they both seem to be pretty significant departures from the iron golem in terms of the scale of the mob and its overall aesthetic it's made of different materials it's got different functionality it's not just a zombie that attacks you in a slightly different way um so i'm hoping that the minecraft team continues the formula of it being a unique design not sort of a real world animal that they're trying to bring in or you know not something that's sort of a variation like the glow squid a variation on an existing mob i like having unique designs and some level of functionality that's guaranteed from the the, the initial announcement. Um, I expect it's quite difficult to come up with mob functionality that feels significant but not game-changing because as we've discussed in the past they don't necessarily want to hand the keys over to the community to vote for something that's going to be functionally very important to the game, that's the stuff they want to save for guaranteed inclusion in the game in uh, their own updates. So I think they've been doing a pretty good job of that so far. I think a lot of people were underwhelmed by the sniffer because all it does is look for seeds for a new aesthetic plants, but then if you're into building and you want to use those plants as you know, thematic inspiration for a build, or you want to have them decorate in certain spaces, I think they, they work really well. Um, so I like the idea that functionality is still tied up in there. The ability to detect dark areas for the player, interact with redstone devices, collect items, provide resources, you know, that's all of the stuff that we've had previously. And out of all of what we saw in 2021 and 2022, I think the Alay's ability is probably the most versatile, and still is now that it's implemented in-game, and the Sniffers is probably the least versatile because it kind of only does one thing, but the aesthetics of the mob in that case won some people over. Um... There are a huge well of designs they can draw from places like Minecraft Legends, Minecraft Dungeons, Minecraft Earth. And there's some stuff from Minecraft Legends, honestly, that would not go down too badly. I'm not sure if people have built up the affection for those mob designs, the association. Uh, kind of depends how Minecraft Legends has already been performing. But I think there's some functionality there that could have some good crossover with the vanilla game.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to get Something that has some similar functionality to what you've expected, you know, like something that will provide, you know, decorative items or the kind of neutral interaction that we've had with the sniffer. Like, I don't want it to be a repeat of the sniffer, like you mentioned, but I I feel like there's going to be that level of it's going to be interesting, but also safe, like you mentioned, not really going to push the game, you know, too far I I really like the idea that Mojang will keep with fantasy mobs. I I think it fits better with the whimsy of Minecraft. It's a very cartoony game. The sky's the limit. I don't want them to add beavers or squirrels, you know, like I think that's a little bit of a a low hanging fruit, you know, Uh, plus then when you add those items, you're kind of beholden to the way that that animal behaves in the real world, which... You know, you don't want to have something like a squirrel do something that a squirrel wouldn't do because then there's always that argument that it confuses people playing the game as to why squirrels don't do that and that kind of stuff. Uh, We've mentioned before on the show uh, the idea of animal combos, like from Avatar, the last airbender, like platypus bear, that kind of thing. I'd be okay with that. It doesn't have to be completely unique in terms of a fantasy mob, but I, I would be cool if they combined something, made something a little bit more you know, fantasy like, but still had some real world appeal. Because I think there's a certain level, especially for me as a character designer through some of my career in that recognizability, you know, like having something look, you know, I mean, the sniffer, like it, it looks kind of like a hippo dog, right? So like you kind of have that appeal to it. It's still a unique animal, but it has some real world appeal, you know, to people that that live on Earth, you know. Um, and I feel like the, the life for me that flying mobs have added to the game. Uh, I, I like bees. I like how they add to the landscape when you come across them. I think lays to your point, Johnny, uh, offer some of the most unique gameplay, but also offer a lot of life to a situation. Like if you just wanted to have a lays that you've, you know, set up to fly around your library or fly around, you know, your build in some way as just ambient movement, I think it's a great way to add some life to Minecraft, which can be very static. So in that way, I'm kind of hoping that they... They keep with the whimsy. They I don't want another fairy. Like I don't want them to do, like you said, another version of something that they already have in the game, like a yellow LA or you know, a a, a mini ghast, or like I don't want anything like that. I, I much would prefer something along, you know, the unique way that they've they've had the, the mob vocal previously. That said, I don't really mind the ancient mob idea, uh raising and hatching something from an egg. I feel like it's a decent mechanic. I think if they added maybe a different way to find it or provided the player with some other kind of interaction, so it didn't completely mimic the sniffer. uh, I think as long as it was different enough, I don't think it would be an entirely bad idea to repeat that process Uh, because we also have things like archaeology, right? You could maybe instead of going and finding the egg, you know, from somewhere else, maybe you find pieces of something, maybe... Um, it's, it's not an egg. Maybe you have to summon the fantastic creature. And in order to do that, you have to find pieces of an artifact that will summon it. Like there's some things that you could do that would remove the whole egg thing, but still have the mechanic of going to find a thing, assembling or nurturing a thing to then release or achieve the presence of the new mob and then kind of go from there.
1: I I do like the idea of raising a mob from a hatch yeah effectively and that's sort of the 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 impression that you get from the sniff it helps you get more attached to them really but yeah i think that there's there's some merit to that um i I think there's also some merit to constructing mobs which is one of my main kind of predictions if we're going straight to predictions here i think at least one of the mobs is going to be a golem type mob since they've been fairly popular editions in previous years and i think this is a golem type mobs year if there is a golem type mob i'm predicting it's going to win the vote um because like the copper golem and the tough golem got a lot of support and had a lot of personality just in the animatic videos that they were given and some people obviously You know, Minecraft modders mock up versions of these, sometimes even before the Minecraft live announcement happens, just to kind of get a feel for how that they would look. And I think the implementations I've seen of the Copper Golem have been really charismatic. So yeah, I I can see there being a lot of support for a Golem, I think just from a design perspective. I think the previous years, the Copper Golem and the Tough Golem have been let down by overlaps in their functionality with existing systems in the game. Like the Copper Golem's purpose really was to walk around and find buttons to press. And a few people simplified that into, well, it's just a Redstone randomizer, but there are a lot of applications for mechanics like that. But it didn't really quite feel like the kind of thing players wanted compared to the LA, which had potential to expose systems in the game that could be Used in different ways. Um, The tough golem was also lauded as a a walking item frame, effectively, because they would find dropped items on the ground and pick them up and just hold one item for you. And then they'd sometimes kind of wander around. And so they have this potential to be statues some of the time. And the copper golem would like erode and and would kind of, um, you know, oxidize until it effectively became a statue. Um, And and so there's still. Areas like that where, say like a sandstone golem, for example, could be really fun. Could be a a fun decoration for desert environments, especially with them, you know, adding camels to desert villages in this update and encouraging players to visit deserts for archaeology. It could be a, a continuation almost of the type of flavor that deserts got in the Trails and Tales update. And let's say we have a sandstone golem, which once you craft it, It walks around on gravel, slowly turning that gravel into sand, and that's how we get renewable sand Oh, there you go. That's the kind of thing that- that'd have me going straight to it, and it doesn't seem like that big of a deal from the outside, but to players who know this game well and have, you know, been grinding for concrete powder or TNT or even glass, um, you know, renewable sand is kind of a big deal, so it's not absolutely game-changing or game-breaking in terms of what it can do, but it, it- you know, just lends a little bit of extra functionality to what we already have. Um, so so that's potential. That I, I think if there's the golem type mobs, you know, that's just one example of, of a functionality they could give it. But I, I do think golem type mobs have a lot from a, a design perspective in their favor.
0: It's funny, I really like that idea. But my prediction was that we wouldn't get a golem uh, as part of the, the lineup because the copper and the tough golem didn't make the cuts in previous years. And, right so you think that the golems are ill-fated enough that they're
1: saying let's give it a rest this yeah year,
0: well because I, I kind of wonder whether adding a golem is kind of like a it's kind of like an easy you know easy target just like well we've had a golem the last couple of years let's try another one and to see if that sticks but you know like again like if it becomes the renewable sand i think that would grab a lot of players attention because especially because <laughs> it's a balanced idea because you still have to find the gravel like you can't just you know i mean if you find the gravel you could either either release the sand golem on the natural gravel or pick up the gravel and bring it to the golem but you can't just make gravel as far as i know so it you know it's it's there still has to be that player interaction it's not like something you can set and forget um but it's akin to you know mud farms and and things like that like there. are there is some setup involved, but it, it can help if you need a lot of that particular block. And that would be that would be really, really interesting. I um I think that there's been a lot of focus on minerals and resources in the world lately with missing templates, diamond door distribution, that kind of stuff. So I you know like I'm not ruling out a golem, but it is it's one of those things where know, If they can bring something in from Minecraft Legends, I don't know how that translates to functionality in Minecraft. I don't know how popular Minecraft Legends is even now. I'm, I'm not playing it. I'm not hearing many people talk about playing it, so I don't know where that would feel strange um i like the idea of of mojang you know testing out new games like this and then potentially using some of those ideas that that either don't fly in that game and end up bringing them over into minecraft but we don't know what didn't make it into the cut for minecraft legends and might have been say hey well this doesn't work in legends but maybe it'll work as a as a mob somewhere down the line in minecraft you don't know those kind of things even if it
1: did work in minecraft legends they added four basic golem types as their units um there was like a a cobblestone golem that was good at bashing structures. There's a, a ranged like arrow golem that's effectively a slightly less powerful skeleton, and like having those, we were talking about turrets in the idea for the the skulk mob uh, in in our email this week, and I, I imagine having those little arrow golems with you to kind of draw some aggro whilst you're going into a cave but maybe with a golem like that by your side it's going to be a bit less fraught than like if you bring a dog with you and your dog dies on this adventure you know what i mean like it it can it can potentially feel a little bit more expendable but also useful at the same time so you could have some of the stuff from Minecraft Legends. The other two were a grindstone golem, which sort of disrupts enemies by running around and kind of like nipping at their ankles. And then a mossy golem that heals stuff in a certain radius. And And that's not counting the first golems, which were the kind of like the giant ones that were sort of end game units for, for Minecraft Legends. I, I think there is room for that kind of stuff to filter over into uh, vanilla Minecraft. It would change the way the game is played a little bit, but I think it's... Uh, Yeah, potentially an option for crossover functionality if they want to include more of these golem type mobs in the uh, vanilla game. You know,
0: you mentioned earlier in the show about, you know, crop functionality and and hoping for changes in, in a deeper system there. Like having something like a mossy golem that could heal you or heal other mobs around it that could also maybe water crops it would be like having your own <laughs> a, you know living sprinkler system it it does effectively act like a
1: sprinkler in minecraft
0: legends that's right the, the animation that yeah it has. so
1: that's a pretty good call and, yeah and
0: again like you know you're looking at a static wheat field and if every once in a while when you're walking by for you know uh, no reason other than just the timing is right to watch a a golem go oh I think this weed is a little bit dry and it kind of wakes up and starts spinning around and shooting some water animation around to kind of hydrate your field. Like, I think that's kind of fun. You know, I think it adds some whimsy. It's the kind of thing from like a Studio Ghibli perspective that you're just kind of like, yes, that's the kind of fun mm-hmm. that I want. If if the mob that's being added is not going to like, as you said, add something game changing. I think it has to add some flavor and something that I think that the golems have but or are, are are striving towards, but fall short just a little bit. It's that personality, you know, like it's it's things like adding something like a blink animation or the la has the dance thing, but I feel like the sniffer has a decent amount of personality in the way that it lumbers around, it's got the sniffing animation. The frogs kind of walk funny. They have a really good walk cycle, but it's it's weird compared to other other uh, mobs in the game. They have the croak thing, you know, with their throat expanding. So I think whatever they do has to have that kind of like cute companion uh, appeal. And if they had big eyes or they blinked or something like that, that could make them stand out. And I, that could be a, a lot of fun, especially if the mob ends up being a passive, more companion like decorative mob than, than anything that really has a lot of interaction um, for me. To go super fantasy i really liked the idea of the sniffer i thought the size of the sniffer was something really different uh and when i think of big elephant big animals i think like elephants rhinoceros hippo whales that kind of a thing but that's you know again too literal you know to be just like a, a one-to-one brought into the minecraft world but what if there was like flying elephant creatures what if they were small like what if they were little bit bigger than a bee like maybe something like a flying strider type scale you know uh they could use their ears to flutter around like a hummingbird so that you don't have to worry about like the flapping of wings of a bird to keep it soaring around like something that hovers very similar to how they you know showed the glare moving around in previous mob votes like that kind of a thing could be really interesting especially if it still had something like the long trunk of an elephant uh, you know, even with a little body that's floating in the air, having this long hose kind of up a nose hanging off of it. I think elephants kind of look weird <laughs> anyway, in terms of like this planet. So, you know, to have something like that could be really fun. You know, maybe they still have that kind of functionality from a a, a sniffer where maybe they look for ancient seeds. Maybe they look for a new water plant. Maybe they uh, forage somehow that helps the player. Like rather than you you know, I don't think we're going to get an animal or a a mob that's going to drop anything upon its death. I think it's going to either help you find something or dig something up on its own that you then collect and provide you with gameplay opportunities to make farm and collection systems and stuff like that. Uh, I think we're going to get more of a neutral thing in that way. But there's also ways that mobs could be more decorative like when i think about fantasy mobs i also think about really old shows like the flintstones where like you'd have a pterodactyl that would play a record because it would use the beak as yeah, the needle yeah. like stuff like that would be kind of cool and and having you know a floating heffalump type of mob you know to pull from like disney's winnie the pooh like having something that would like drink water and then float or maybe change color when you feed it different flowers so that you could use it as like real living balloons to decorate your house. Like just there's all kinds of weird stuff that would just add a lot of whimsy and character to Minecraft that while they wouldn't necessarily have like the kind of function that Redstone and and farmers would necessarily want in the game, you could add just a lot of imagination and just kind of see where players go with it. And I would be okay with that too.
1: Depending on what they have planned for the major update for the next major release i'm wondering if some of these mobs have the potential to compensate for aspects that players have been talking about recently where they want change but changes which mojang aren't prepared to bring to minecraft yet so one of my predictions was that at least one mob would be found in the end dimension and if that's one of the options we aren't getting an end update this year Because I I like the idea of them listening to a lot of player feedback and thinking, yeah, we have that sort of in mind for a couple of updates down the line. Or, you know, we started planning this update long enough ago that we didn't know there was this much hype around an end update. So we're still going to deliver on what we've got in mind. So I was thinking maybe, you know, we get a mob that's native to the end that kind of hangs around and eats chorus fruit or something like that. I was thinking maybe we get a mob that's related to item storage. Um, kind of as an answer to ongoing concerns about inventory management and maybe an interactable alternative to the bundle, considering the difficulty that people have had interacting with those for other platforms like Bedrock Edition. So maybe a chest golem, you know? I'm not going to limit all of my ideas here to golems, but um, my prediction, if we get an inventory mob, players still won't be happy with it. (laughs) That's uh, kind of of what I'm calling right now. But I, I do think there is room for them to sort of filter in a little bit of what players are interested in because it's just one mob. Obviously it has to go through a design process and everything, but it's not like you're theming an entire update around it. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see if anything's going to affect the end or storage just as a kind of stopgap for feeding players appetite for that kind of stuff and letting them know that they're listening to us and maybe there's more
0: on the way. I like the idea of an inventory mob help like i mean they try to do that with the la a little bit and i don't know how successful it was in terms of what players were hoping it would do versus what it actually did in the end um but i i like the idea of some sort of chest golem it reminds me you're gonna have to help me with the name of it there's a there's a dnd monster that's like basically a chest with fangs and a tongue
1: it's a mimic, a mimic. is that what it is that's, that's what yeah yeah so mm-hmm.
0: it, it's not just a chest like it can mimic other things is that the idea
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like typically they are depicted as chests, but effectively it can can take the form of another object and uh, just tricks you into interacting with it and then pounces on you basically. Mm. But yeah, they're usually chests, I find.
0: That could be an interesting mob, like a mimic in general, like maybe not just a chest. Like, I mean, I know that's kind of what you were thinking of, but like a mimic in Minecraft would be an interesting idea. I don't know whether that would be something that would be a passive mob, an aggressive mob. Like I, I don't know if we're going to get any kind of aggressive mob, you know, like, I, I don't know if that's something that they might go with, but I like the idea of some sort of inventory, inventory change or, or inventory help. You know, I, I, I don't use horses or mules or donkeys in that kind of way in Minecraft. I've never found them that useful. So maybe having something that could come along with you and be, more resilient or be able to help you out by storing things but like i guess that's not much different than a bundle right because and that's not been brought into the game either so i'm not sure how they would do it it's a fun idea though
1: yeah there's still room for making things interactable that way which was i think one of the really cool things about the allay was like actually giving something an item and seeing it do stuff with that was previously not really a thing for mobs, aside from like villagers maybe kind of trading stuff and holding out stuff that they wanted to trade you. Like there aren't a great deal of mobs that you can give items to in that sense. Uh, You know, foxes could hold stuff in their mouths, or you know, you can feed a bone to a dog, you can tame animals with them, but you know, having them follow you around because you've given them an item and then you know, find more of that item. Like it's it's such a basic idea. The premise is very simple, but it's such an effective mechanic. Um and it's really just about how the mobs behave, which I think is where people find issues with the LA. Um going completely out of left field here, um, I had a, a kind of wacky idea while I was compiling notes. So we have three types of eggs available in survival. We have chicken eggs, we have turtle eggs, we have sniffer eggs. And I was wondering, what if there was one of those like egg eating snakes, um, which you could feed the eggs to, but depending on which one you feed it, its appearance and maybe its functionality change? Because, you know, you can feed a a, a snake a chicken egg and I don't know, maybe it just kind of hangs out and it's it's, it's performing its normal functionality. That's like baseline state for these, these snakes. The turtle egg does something different. And then a sniffer egg, because it's so large, has the potential for like a bit of Comedy, because it you know you, you see those cartoons where like a snake has eaten something and it's clearly just like stuck in the snake's throat and it's like i haven't eaten anything and it's just got this massive like <laughs> person shape or whatever in there and imagining like a a, an, a snake with just this massive sniffer size sniffer egg sized like block in there is just like comedy gold for me <laughs> so I, I i think that there's there's room for now that some elements of minecraft have expanded now that we're seeing you know, multiple items of similar categories put together, maybe you group those together under the umbrella of this interacts with this type of mob, right? Um so so the the snake thing is just like completely out of left field. But I, I, I thought the the idea behind that of having certain categories of items that are really important to a new mob, but again, doesn't necessarily have huge gameplay implications, seems like the kind of direction they might go.
0: What would a snake even look like in Minecraft? I mean,
1: <laughs> a series of very long, thin cuboids, uh, just kind of arranged together like a string of sausages, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's some there's some goofy stuff you can do with it. Uh, the Twilight Forest mod has a boss that's the Naga, which is oh, found yeah. in a kind of stone maze and is effectively like a, a snake made out of different segments. Um, and you destroy the different segments in order to take it down. But it, it's, um, it, it works surprisingly well, but obviously... The way they animate it and the way it moves and stuff doesn't necessarily feel like it lines up perfectly with the way vanilla Minecraft mobs are designed. so it will be an interesting challenge, I think, for the
0: uh, the art team. Well, that's where they can bring in the um, fantasy element, right? I mean, like, I don't know if you've seen those 3D yeah. printed dragons or snakes that are basically just a bunch of um, small squares hinged together. And so like they kind of, they slink yes, back and yes. forth uh, under gravity and, and kind of like, weirdly, like they look quite serpent-like, even though they're a bunch of straight edges. And that's probably how you'd have to go. The thing with snakes in Minecraft is like, for, for it to eat eggs, like just like everything else, the scale of it would have to be terrifying like spiders in this game are two meters wide you know like even the small ones are big uh silverfish are two feet long so having a snake it would have to be like twice the size of a player which i I feel like there's arachnophobia you know is already a thing i imagine there's some people where you know indiana jones is not going to be playing minecraft anytime soon if they add a snake to it
1: yeah what what if what if it was like the game snake where every time they add something every time they ate it it, like adds a segment to it and they just become like increasing numbers of blocks (laughs) long and you end up with (laughs) you end up with like the the norse myth like a snake that encircles the world kind of situation um that can be a fun challenge actually like try and get a snake to the world border bit of a twist on the uh the kind of you know trip to the far lands kind of idea um One thing I will say I don't think we're going to get this year is a loser's bracket type vote for previous mob vote runner-ups. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, maybe they bring back the Copper Golem and it gets a second chance or something like that. And I sort of don't think that's their style right now. They haven't done that in previous years, even with like biome vote stuff. They've always come up with something new and original. So I'm hoping that we don't end up getting any kind of like loser's bracket because there are some great ideas out there. And I much prefer the idea that Mojang selects them because it's the right time because they didn't win previous votes rather than just bringing them all back and you know conserving effort in that sense
0: i had one prediction that i don't think we're going to see as well and that is i don't think we're going to see a rideable mob because we just got camels in the game and i and i think that those rideable mobs seem to be more carefully designed at mojang you know like uh the the um the strider the camel that kind of stuff I, i don't think we'd see a mob vote where one of them is something that we can ride I think that's something they probably want to keep internal.
1: You mean your flying elephant mob isn't going to be rideable? <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are the odds? Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's probably where we'll wrap things up for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you folks so much for listening. I hope you're as excited as we are to check out what will hopefully be a uh, set of announcements for mob candidates for the minecraft live 2023 mob vote next week uh, they may not arrive in time for us to talk about them on next week's show but you can be sure we're going to be talking about them the week after and in the meantime you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today over at the the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level get to an invites to our patrons only discord chat you can listen to the show live when we record it in the discord every monday we also have our monthly minecraft audio hangout coming up at the end of september where you guys can let us know what you've been up to in minecraft this week we currently have 323 patrons which is steady on from last week special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons hunter 555 jumbo Sale, mind Trip media party voyager and yitz thank
0: you for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just tell a friend about The Spawn Chunks and they can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast.
1: My name is Johnny, but online I go by PixelRiffs, you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash PixelRiffs, where the Minecraft Survival Guide is currently in its third season. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at PixelRiffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online?
0: Everything that I'm doing online can be linked through joelduggan.com, that includes the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, I'm Joel Duggan on social media, very easy to find, and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Thursday through Sunday. The Citadel Minecraft server most of the time, and then LEGO builds on Fridays. This past Friday, I started the UCS X-Wing Starfighter. It's like 22 inches long, folks. You really want to check this out. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The
1: world outside is infinite, which means infinite golems.